0: We have been in this series for I think this is the twelfth week uh, that we have been going through this historic creed uh, around three hundred and twelve is when it was originally uh, accepted and and began to be d- distributed it's that uh, it's that voice of uh, of uh, Orthodox Christianity throughout the ages it gives you a measuring tool as to as to what what did people closer to the Christ event uh, think about scripture and how do we take it now it's it's been a great series for us to remind ourselves of those essential uh, pieces of our faith and we're going to wrap that up this morning uh, but before I get
1: into that I'm going to invite you to stand and let's recite that creed together
0: from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Oh, Amen. You can be seated. So this morning we are, we're taking that very last line, the life everlasting. Last week I talked about uh, the resurrection of the body, and of course these two go uh, very close together. And, and what we think about the afterlife, uh, the resurrection of the body, and the life eternal all sort of go together. I'm going to try to bring out a couple of different points. It's sort of hard to preach on heaven because I haven't been there yet. Um, and, and, uh, uh, we have some pictures of, of, of what it might be like in heaven, but, uh, it, it is, I think it's so much bigger than we can imagine. And, and Hollywood and all the movies, you know, angels and wings and clouds and everything. I don't really think it's going to be like that. Um, but somebody got mad at me in the last service for that, but maybe you'll have
1: wings. I don't know. Drink what Red Bull. It gives you wings. but the life everlasting i'm i'm going to i i i just want to
0: start and and I'll probably tick you off right off the beginning but um so the life everlasting i can i know for myself uh the everlasting life was the was the the avoidance of hell was the reason i came to christ in the first place right and i think pretty much a uh, 100% of us that was that was the thing i remember when i was in uh it was like 8th grade uh back in the the 40s um, and i'm not that old but um Campus Crusade had tracks uh, when when I was in middle school and high school, and they'd pass them around and they had uh, the, a pathway to christianity and and the opening thing was, if you died tonight, do you know where you'd end up right and it was basically a scare tactic to get you uh to consider if you don't know Christ, you're going to burn in hell, so you better get your act together right and and that is uh, trust me. I really don't want to spend eternity uh, being punished for my sins. And that's a great opening uh, sort of uh, way to move forward. Uh, but I think God has more for, for us in an everlasting life than just avoidance of punishment. I, I, I think if there's a weakness within the church in our proclamation of who Jesus is, it's that we don't do justice to how God wants to transform us in every aspect of our life. That he, it's, it's not just He wants to give us our passport to heaven and, and then have the check mark done. But he, he, he wants to do something in such a way that is, is going to transform everything about who we are. In in John chapter 10, uh, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest or have it abundantly. And he, of course, he's not just talking about the everlasting life, that we're going to have an abundant, everlasting life. But Jesus came to transform our lives right here and now. We, we, do, we, when we pray the uh, Lord's Prayer, we, we pray a prayer that suggests that what heaven has for us, we can experience here and now. And when we only focus on heaven as an escape from punishment, we miss out on the life transformation and the love that is expressed to, uh, through God, uh, to us to transform us into His children. We, uh,
1: Am I going am I crazy or is there some something going wrong? Do I need to change mics or? check It is now. But, okay, if
0: you're sitting next to somebody whose hearing aid is going out, tap them on the shoulder.
1: (laughs) I came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. i got to gather my thoughts again. Where
0: are we? i 'm going uh, so in talking about heaven, heaven is a hard thing right um, we We talked last week that one of the reasons we believe in a bodily resurrection is because these tents won't carry the DNA possible for us to experience God fully. We just can't handle that. We we need an eternal body to handle the vision of an eternal God. Who we are right here and now can't handle the truth about who God is. We have to be transformed. That's why we'll receive a, a heavenly body for that. But um, as we... Uh, my mind just has gone we we're, we're going to scripture here we go <laughs> i'm going to be in revelation twenty one and
1: twenty two revelation twenty one and twenty two then i and, and this is long my preaching pastor would be
0: really upset that i'm reading this much scripture but instead of me trying to put words into it, um, and I don't think we read these scriptures very often in the church, and so to read them aloud, I hope that you can hear them. Have patience with me as we work our way through, but we're going to read two chapters. These are the last two chapters of our, of our Bible. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And then he said, It is finished. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all of these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. The cowards, unbelievers... The corrupt murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers, and all liars. Their fate is the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So He took me in the Spirit to a great high mountain, and He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And it shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high with twelve gates guarded by twelve angels, and the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west, The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure its city, its gates, and its walls. When he measured it, he found it was a square as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper, second, sapphire, third, agate, fourth, emerald, fifth, onyx, sixth, carnelian, 7th chrysolite, 8th beryl, ninth topaz, 10th chrysoprase, 11th jacinth, and 12th amethyst. The twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl. And the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light. The kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, no, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of Main Street. One on each side of the river grew a a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop for each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nation's. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. And then the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires His prophets has sent His angel to tell His servants what will happen soon. Jesus said, Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But He said, No, don't worship me. I am a servant of God just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. Then he instructed me, Do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. And the Spirit and the bride said, come, let anyone who hears this come, let anyone who is thirsty come, let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, If anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and the holy city that are described in the book. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Revelation, hard book uh, to preach out of, hard book to study. Uh, it's it's one of the books that people have uh, that argue about. There's all sorts of theories on the end times and belief systems and churches sometimes split be, between all of this stuff. Uh, and I'm not going to try to do a whole treatise on Revelation. It will get distracted. But here at the end, we have this we have this vision of what of what heaven looks like and and one of the things you got to remember when we when we talk about revelation is it's a vision it was a vision that that John the apostle had right John I uh, remember uh, John was one of the disciples he and Peter uh were both disciples they had sort of a rivalry relationship Uh, At the end of the Gospel of John, after Peter had denied the Lord and after the Lord was resurrected, at at the last chapter of John, Jesus shows up to give Peter a chance to reinstate himself. He asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter's able to answer three times, yes, Lord, I love you. And he says, well, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And then the Lord looks at Peter and says, and because of your faith and because of your relationship with me, you're going to go where you don't want to go and you're going to die a death that you don't want to die. And Peter peers over his shoulder and sees John and goes, well, what about him? And the Lord says, well, if I choose not to let him die, what is that to you? You follow me and feed my sheep. Well, John did die, but he was spared death as well. John uh, was put, uh, was a martyr that for his faith was placed in a pot of boiling oil, but he survived it and then was exiled to an island of patmos and at that island he received this vision and as we as we read through these scenes in in the 22 chapters of revelation you just always have to remember john was trying to describe what the earthly brain can't comprehend and put it in words and and we're we're just trying to to get a glimpse of that. The, the best way I could think of describing it a couple of weeks ago, we did a walk to Emmaus and many of you have been on a walk to Emmaus and many of you haven't. And one of the reasons might be because when somebody invites you to a walk to Emmaus and you say, well, what is it? And they say, it's a secret. I can't tell you. Right? And, and it, it's not that it's a secret cult or anything, but it's, there's these special experiences that happen on the walk to Emmaus and they don't want to ruin them for you. And frankly, they can't come up with words to describe them. That's what that's what John is dealing with in this book. He's trying to des- describe the underdescribable to us. But here's a couple of thoughts uh, for us. To me, the number one thing that John gets across, and he says it three different times in those two
1: chapters, the most amazing thing about heaven is our closeness with God. He will be our God. We
0: will be his people. We will look him face to face. He will look at us. His name will be imprinted on our foreheads. This intimacy with God is the best part of heaven. I started off by saying I don't think fear of punishment and hell is the best motive, is, is the best uh, reason for us to look forward to. To heaven. Yes, that's an important part of it. But, but this whole thing we have with God is a love relationship. And if, if all we do is focus on the avoiding hell part, we miss out on the most important reason God did any of this. I said last week, Genesis and Revelation are two bookends to perfection. He created a perfect world, but then sin entered, death entered, we fell, and then the rest of the Bible is a building back towards a reestablishment of what was perfect. God didn't create at the beginning just because he needed some people to follow his rules. He created because he loves. He didn't create out of need. God needs nothing. He's self-sufficient. This Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are perfect in and of themselves. They didn't need anyone, but they chose to create us for relationship, for love. Because of sin, there was a break in relationship, but He's building back towards a time where we get to spend eternity with Him face to face. I don't know what heaven looks like, and I have no idea what God looks like. I had, before baptisms, one of the kids asked me, because so, it was stump the preacher time, and so he
1: said, well, what does God look like? And I was like, good question. I don't know. I don't know what he looks like, but here's... Can you imagine sitting in front of the one who spoke everything into existence?
0: And just... The whole setting, as you read through that, as we read through that, the the ornateness and the beauty, the the gold that shines crystal clear and all the, the beautiful jewels and everything and there's no sun and there's no moon because the glory of God is the light for the city and there's no nighttime, just this beautiful, dazzling, radiant,
1: pure holiness and love. And folks, that's... That's the thing that we're preparing
0: for now. This communion of saints, this relationship we have with one another. Christianity is not about following the rules and getting to heaven. Christianity is about falling in love with a God who fell in, who loved you from the, before he even made you. Falling in love with him, and then because he loves us, we love one another. That's that's and and then the reward is all the distractions are taken away and we get to spend eternity doing what God intended from the beginning. That there's no end to the goodness. There's there's no there's no uh, uh, expiration date on it. There's no more knee operations and heart attacks and cancer diagnoses and divorce. There's none of that because everything is restored and it goes on and
1: on forever. I'll look at God. He'll look at me. We'll look at one another. The relationship is
0: the greatest thing that God has done for us. The, the, the avoidance of hell is, is important. We, we as sinful people need uh, to cleanse ourselves, and that's what Jesus Christ did for us. But the reward is that we, we reach the thing that God had for us at the beginning. When Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest, this is what he's talking
1: about. The fullest life is not just when we get to heaven. The fullest life is here and now.
0: That I love you and you love me and we love God. And even though there's darkness surrounding us, we can experience a little piece of heaven here and now. There's not going to be any more question. There's not going to be any more doubt. The way Paul says it in Philippians chapter 2 is, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Because once God shows us full glory, there's no arguing it. There's not going to be a group that's like, well, I'm sorry, in James chapter five, et cetera. No, it's just going to be obvious. That's part of why he's, he's, he's hidden his glory because it's faith that we connect with now. But that faith will be answered in 1 Corinthians 13. Now we see through a gas strangely dim, but then we will see everything in full. Faith, hope, and love.
1: And the greatest of these is love. That's the motivation of a relationship with God.
0: Yeah, the, the avoidance of guilt opens the door, but the love is what's worth staying for. I mean, think about a,
1: a your spouse or a relationship. If they only love you when you do what they want, you're not going to last 60 years. Right? You're not gonna last 60 days. (laughs) Because, because love is something that, that we need to work on together. It's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be magnificent. It's gonna be, but we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait. We spend so much time thinking about who's out and who's in. And I hope you heard the list there. They were pretty general. And we fit in there, but for the grace of Jesus Christ. You know how you get written into the Lamb's book of life? Put your trust and faith in Him. It's not a mystery. You know how? Jesus said you can prove to Him that you're in love with Him, that you love others the way that He's loved us. It all goes
0: back to relationship. It all goes back to relationship. And folks, what we do, we're going to do Holy Communion in a minute, and communion is a practice for us of what heaven looks like. The heavenly banquet table is laid before us. None of us deserve a seat here. And yet, Christ has opened the door so every one of us has a seat here. And as we come forward, the communion of saints, the body of Christ, the family of God, we come together to receive our nourishment and light from Him so that we can go back out into
1: the world and and share that with others. As a kid, I remember reading those, those dimensions
0: of heaven. Fourteen hundred miles long, fourteen miles wide, fourteen hundred miles wide, fourteen hundred miles tall. That's that's pretty. Um, that's pretty big. That's like Brownsville to Wyoming. All right, that's pretty big. But when you start to think of all the people that have ever lived that might be in heaven, you know, I live out west because I like elbow room. I don't want to live in New York where everybody's like this. And it's you start to think, well, there's going to be room for everyone, right? And, and, and there's actually some denominations that have some beliefs around who gets in and who doesn't because you've got to be special in order to get in. But, it, but here's what Jesus said in John 14. In my Father's house, there's plenty of room. In my Father's house, there's plenty of room. If this weren't so, would I have told you that I'd go to prepare a place for you? Why did I share that? Because this is what I think our motivation is. We're not just supposed to receive God's love and enjoy it and have His,
1: his light shine upon us. We're supposed to bring as many friends as we can with Him. That's, that's what our mission is, to live in love in such a way that we make heaven crowded. But there's plenty of room in our Father's house. Monica, you want to come up? We're going to celebrate Holy Communion.
0: And uh, those who are going to serve, I'm going to invite you to come forward as well. We're going to be using uh, liturgy. It will be on the screen if you want to use your hymnal. It will be on page
1: 9. I'm going to invite you to stand with me.
0: You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners and by the baptism of his suffering, death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, He promised to be with
1: us always in the power of Your Word and Holy Spirit. And you may be seated. On the night in which He gave Himself up for us, Lord Jesus took bread.
0: gave thanks. He broke the bread, passed it around the table and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks, passed it around the table, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is a new covenant, and my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink of it, remember me. And so it's in remembrance of these as mighty acts through Jesus Christ that we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. just a moment, we're going to invite you to come forward. We have four stations uh, that we have folks here. We're going to give you a piece of bread, the body of Christ broken for you. You dip that in the juice, the blood of Christ shed for you. As you come forward, if you need a gluten-free option, we have crackers available at each of the stations. If you don't want to share the common cup, we have individual servings. Uh, that you can have as well. But this is a time for us to rehearse, to practice, to share the love that we have for one another, to join with the fellowship and the communion of saints, and to worship the Lamb
1: who has conquered sin and death for us. The table's been set. You've been invited. Won't you come and receive?